Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. Before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision and her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Pushkin. Like her moniker suggests... Leticia Tamko, who records under the name Vagabond, is trying to find a musical place to call her own. When Vagabond was 13, she and her family moved from Cameroon in West Africa to Harlem. She learned English in part by watching reruns of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and identified with the outsider sentiment heard in the emo and pop punk on the radio and TV in the early 2000s. Like many children of immigrants, Vagabond was encouraged by her parents to become something practical, like an engineer. But by 17, she was writing songs and teaching herself to play guitar, and would sneak out at night to play shows at DIY punk spaces in Brooklyn. And only a few years later, was recording and putting out songs. She's been completely immersed in music ever since. Her newest release, The Self-Titled Vagabond, has been praised by critics at The New Yorker and Pitchfork. She's also toured with Courtney Barnett, Angel Olsen, and Brittany Howard. I did this interview recently in L.A. with my right-hand producer, Leah Rose, who's been working on Broken Records since the beginning of the year. She's a DJ and music journalist who spent almost a decade as an editor at XXL. When Leah and I sat down with Vagabond in L.A., she was in the throes of writing songs for her third album and talked to us about some of the writer's block she was experiencing. Plus, she talked about her early experiences with music in Cameroon and why she sometimes wants to give it all up to write code instead. This is Broken Record, liner notes for the digital age. I'm Justin Richmond. Just a quick note here. You can listen to all of the music mentioned in this episode on our playlist, which you can find a link to in the show notes. For licensing reasons, each time a song is referenced in this episode, you'll hear 
this sound effect. All right, enjoy the episode. Here's Leah Rose and myself in conversation with Vagabond. What type of music do you remember playing in your house when you were growing up? We played a lot of Michael Jackson. My parents were obsessed with Michael Jackson. And and so was everyone, you know, where we lived, which was in Yaoundé um, at the time. Like everyone all over the world was obsessed with Michael Jackson. So we listened to a lot of him. And I would say that that's the most like contemporary, like Western music that we listened to. Um, we did listen to a lot of more like traditional uh, West African music. Um, Manu Dibango was a yeah, huge one. Right. Like he's so beloved in our, in our, like all over, but really like he's a star in our country. We listen to a lot of that. But most of the music that I listen to is like gospel music. My grandmother's a choir director. So a lot of the, my, like, my relationship to music was like at church. Mm. And so we'd listen to a lot of that and a lot of like passed down, like traditional folk stuff that my grandmother would sing around. And then what was the first time that you really remember connecting to music? I I, I don't really know how to tell kids ages. So I don't even know how old I was. <laughs> but there was there's this like photo of me that exists at my parents' house that's me in the middle of like a group of maybe like 15 adult women that were all my mom's friends and they would get together every Sunday. They would say, they would wear the same like um, traditional like African uh, dresses and they would just sing and play music and I would get in this circle. Um, so this photo is me getting in the circle and just like taking my go at it. I mean, the photo helped me remember. I don't actually like remember, but I was so young that I think that's the first time that I really had a connection with music. Was it a church thing or what was the group about? It was like, you know, in, in French you call it like a reunion. Mm. Um, but I don't really know. It was almost like the only thing I could equate it to is like sorority, but they are all they were all like women with kids, you know? So it was more of like a like a community thing. And maybe they all went to church. I have no idea. And did all the who, kids come together too that day? No. Was it, no. It was only the kids parents. At home. Yeah, kids at home. But since my mom was hosting, I was I was like able to like peek into into their world. That's and rad. you were singing and dancing yeah. in the middle of the yeah. circle. Which is wild. So how do you think about that now seeing that photo? Are you like, I'm destined to be performing? Yeah. I mean, my mom brought it up to me and was like, you know, because she, she, like, everyone was a skeptic, including myself. Like, what, like, what am I, like, what is, like, that's not a thing. Um, Being so, a musician? Yeah. Like, what does that mean? Even though when I think about it, that's, that's what they were doing. They just weren't calling it that. Like, there was harmonies going on. There were, there were, like, drums going on. But they never called it playing music. They never called it, like, we are musicians. They were just, like doing, the, you know, like harmonizing is not something that everybody's doing in their household, you know, <laughs> but no one really saw it as that. So I think my mom kind of connected the dots in the last like year. Like, I think this has been something you've been interested in a long time. Is anybody else in your family musical at all? Not that I know of, but they must be. <laughs> I don't know. Like, was your dad doing, like, was your dad my, singing and stuff around the house also? No, or? my but my dad has bragged about like singing on some jazz albums that 
coincidentally, no one knows the name too. So I, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's some was, underground stuff yeah. you don't know about. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it actually happened or if he was like, I used to dabble. I don't know. But my dad was a dancer when wow. he was younger. Um, but they don't really like, they rarely talk about that. You know, they rarely bring that up as like anything artistic. So to me, I have to kind of dig really hard in my memory to kind of, to like, to see the threads of music because it's not a thing that they ever really took on as a as an identity. Yes. Yeah. Are, are they musical people now or not so much? No, they like music, but not not really. Like my mom thinks I make country music, so that's kind of like <laughs> like like that's that's that's, that's where we're at. Like she why country? Because I play guitar. Oh, okay. that's it. <laughs> that's just she's like guitar country. Okay, <laughs> so you know. And and that's kind of cool for me that they have no idea and they don't, you know, they don't like go to shows on their own or any or buy albums or anything. How did it become the thing for you then? I mean, I've always been I've always been pretty obsessed with it. I used to be like 11, 12 years old. I used to be online, like looking up like studios and calling people like and my mom was like, you need to stop calling strangers. But I would like call studios. I would call whoever's phone number I can find that was like, like attached to a music thing and be like, I want to play music. How do I submit a demo? Like just being weird. So I've just kind of been like always interested, but no one around me had access or or like the knowledge to guide me in any direction or to like even know what to tell me, you know. Did you ever meet like a musical mentor at any point or someone who you knew was a musician and just sort of like just got as much knowledge as you could out of that person? No, I've I literally did not have anyone that I can talk to about this stuff until I started doing it. Like there was no one around me. You know, I'm a kid. So like everywhere I'm around is everywhere my parents want me to be around. (laughs) And so I wasn't, I wasn't really around anyone who played music or who listened to music in a way, just this was like, so not a part of my life. What was your exposure to live music when you were a kid? Um, I mean, apart from church, there there was nothing. It was church and that was it. I used to love going to church. Um, when when we moved to the U.S., like my, my mom started taking us to a church in Harlem um, called Abyssinian Church. And I used to, I mean, that is my favorite place to see a show mm-hmm. to this day. Like that choir made me feel like music is the single greatest thing in the world. And I would go to church, like re- like religiously, no pun intended, um, <laughs> to see that choir and to see to see them. And that church m- is so important in my life. Like that's where I like found my scholarship to go to engineering school. That's where, like that church was kind of like I was I was a very much like a viewer of the church. Like I wasn't like a part of it in any way. I wasn't, I just like went and I sat in the back and I just like listened. And um, so that is my relationship to live music until I I hadn't seen a live show other than, than going to church and seeing choirs until I played a live show. So. And then when you moved to the U S and you went to that church, how is the service different than the services you were used to? It wasn't that different actually. You know, it was a, 
Abyssinians a Baptist church. So it's, you know, mostly Black people. And it's like the the music is so like alive and it's so rich and it's so... I went to Catholic school for high school. So like I know what Catholic, I know what mass is like and I know what like a Baptist church is like and I know what a church in Cameroon is like. And I would say that the church I went to in Cameroon is more similar to a Baptist church than it is to a Catholic church. You know, you you get up, you like are interacting, you're like letting it take you. Well, I was curious because I was, I was wondering if, you know, if you started, if you, because you got a guitar, you started getting interested in music, playing music, and you mm-hmm. got a guitar. Well, I guess not till seventeen, but you, I mean, were you writing songs in French early on? Or I was writing already in English because I was listening to music in English. So I was listening to like um, whatever was on the radio at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first started, kind of like wanting to write music. It was like pop punk on the radio and like, mm-hmm. like what, alternative like, like, rock, <laughs> like Avril Lavigne. Not even Avril Lavigne, um, Blink One Eighty Two, but but even like like less of the stuff that has even held up. No shade to these bands, but like <laughs> like May Day Parade. Wow, do you know oh, that I don't band? Know that. I remember them being on like May Day Parade tour, like all the yes. time. Yes, like, oh, that so sounds like, very warped. So tour. like yeah. Warp Tour kind of bands. Yes, I was obsessed, and I was like so. Um, I was like really into all time low and like forever the sickest kids. Whoa, like, these are deep. I, I don't know. Like, yo, I was I had a phase, but these are like deep I was, cuts. I was very into I was very into those bands. Um, Do you remember? Can you put yourself back into that mindset? What was it about that particular kind of music that you loved? It was the screaming. Like it was the. It was like you know, you're like a teenager and you're angry and no one had told me about like Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> no one told me that there was like cool, cool shit out there. Like so the, I was like, good aggressive yeah, music. Exactly. And you needed a mentor. <laughs> yeah, I know. No one told me this stuff was happening. So I was listening to, to, this, to the stuff that was closest to that, but on the radio because that's what I had access to. Like when you don't know anyone who's going to tell you about the like, the record store or like, um, or Rage or System of a Down or yeah. whatever. Like, before anyone could tell me about that, like <laughs> there was All Time Low on the radio. There was Avril Lavigne on the radio. There's Fifi Dobson who kind of changed my life. Fifi Dobson. Who's yeah, who was like, she was like the black woman who was on MTV, like sh- like playing guitar and like singing that kind of music. And there, were, there was really no, I was really not seeing any black girls or any black women doing that kind of music like on TRL or on right. MTV or and she she was that and so like that's kind of what I that was like the first time that I was like oh my god music is so cool I want to play guitar. <laughs> so did you start dressing differently at that point? Um yeah, I mean I definitely had like the swoop over bangs and like the dark eye makeup. That's like, Avril Lavigne. Yeah, like you know I I did that for sure. It's, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> we survived. <laughs> yeah. I I had I mean I had a phase, man. My Inevitable. mom was concerned. She's like, are you, are you gothic? Are you going to kill yourself? I was like, I think gothic. I'm cool. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. When was the first time you actually went to a live show? Uh, the first time I went to a live show, I guess technically my first one was the first show that I played, which was in 2014 um, at the Silent Barn in Brooklyn, New York. Right. I knew that the Silent Barn was a place that had like, like 
community built in and that was a place that I can start learning how to play. And so I was like looking at their calendar and I was like, okay, like, I wonder if I can hit up the bands instead of hitting up Silent Barn because they don't know who I am. Like, I'm not, I'm not like anything or anyone. So I'm going to hit up the bands and send them my song. So that's what I did. I hit up the, um, the the band out of Massachusetts and I said hey I just put out this song can I open the show and they were like yeah whatever (laughs) and had you been to the venue before no 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 did you how terrified how terrified I'm scared just hearing that story (laughs) yeah I mean I think I'm more afraid now of things than I was back then I was just like what do I, I you know, I had written maybe like a, a handful of songs by then, and I knew that I was practicing them. So I was just going to do what I did to practice. Um, I don't know. I just did it. Did it feel different? Because, I mean, I imagine at home you weren't practicing with like a microphone, right? No. Like in a PA and all that yeah. stuff. So that, that must have felt really different when you get up on yeah. stage. Yeah. I mean, it's it was very different. It was very jarring. Yeah. Um, but I... I I mostly wanted to be good enough that the other musicians thought that I was good enough. Like that's who that's, you wanted to impress them. Yeah, yeah, that's like kind of what the the objective was. Like I wasn't even thinking that other people would be listening. I'm just like, but if the other people think that I am doing something, that like maybe I'm doing it, like maybe you'll fit in or you're yeah, one of them. Yeah, or like or like. Or I'm on the right path mm-hmm. or like this makes sense that I'm here. Like maybe if no if no one could tell that I've never done this before, I think I'll be OK. <laughs> you know, did you feel powerful? I did. I did. Yeah, it's weird. It's it was a it was a weird show. But one thing I have n- never been was afraid. <laughs> and and that includes being afraid of embarrassing myself like that includes being afraid of like being bad or because at that point I had I had like I had given up a lot to even be there so I was like who in the same I wanted to impress these people but I also didn't care because I had a way different life than everybody else so I I was just very like I I need some validation that like I could do this but I also I'm going to do it regardless, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. So had you given up maybe a path in life that you thought you were going to take at that point? You had already made up your mind that this is what I'm going to do? Yeah, I had made up my mind to myself. I hadn't told my parents that. I hadn't <laughs> told anybody else in my life that. Because um, I understood that it it would sound crazy. Like, you know, I'm an engineering student. That is clearly a path that is pretty much guaranteed like you know they say that you don't know if you get out of school and you have a job but like in technology and like engineering you have a job (laughs) like you can you can go get a job that pays you like seventy thousand dollars when you're 22 and you could be all right you know very stable it's very stable and and it sounds really good yes very impressive yeah and your parents want to tell everybody that that's what you're doing (laughs) yeah especially i mean especially you know parents who came here and worked to give you an education exactly right i mean exactly so i was like already knew that i would be doing that but I was like let me make sure I have something to show before I (laughs) blow my whole life up and then who were you collaborating with back then was there anyone who you would sort of like play stuff for Hmm. get feedback from yeah I had um very early on before Infinite Worlds I had a friend um who was also an engineering student um and he he had like an emo 
emo band. And he was the only one that was around me that like played guitar and like played loudly and like screamed and stuff. And so I would I would play him early on my songs. And in the very, very early iterations, like that first show, he played it with me. Um, and I and I wouldn't really get feedback I wasn't really interested in because I didn't really even know I I didn't want I I've been really adamant about people shaping me in like into early of a stage there were so many things that I that that I knew that I would become better at Mm -hmm. that like only I have insight on the vision like so so there was like a lot if the notes were based on like my current self i didn't really i knew that i i was so new to it that there was bound to be progress so what's and what songs were you playing then um i was playing just a lot of songs that ended up on my first album okay. a lot of the songs from infinite worlds are from like 2014 wow um they're some of the some of them are the first songs that i've written songs like cold apartment um sharks aka the em- the embers and then there are a few that that um were on the the ep before infinite right. worlds that i was playing to would would you mind playing sharks then would you mind playing the embers oh sure yeah yeah Oh. I love that. <laughs> I was waiting for that next line. I, know, I was I waiting. Know. You cut it right. Sorry, there. sorry, sorry. <laughs> I haven't I haven't practiced that in a long time. It sounds oh, so beautiful. good. But that's Gorgeous. that's that. We'll be back with our conversation with Vagabond after a quick break. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to three percent daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at applecard.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position: warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer, yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com where America goes to hire. Hello, hello. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. Let me tell you an unconventional story about a healthcare group that wanted to improve their efficiency. Boston Children's Hospital. They were already a leading pediatric facility. Their patient outcomes, workflows, and delivery of care were already great. But they wondered, how can we make it better? So the hospital got to work. Their idea was to build what they called clinical mobility, 
meaning a system which would allow their staff to access information and interact with patients on mobile devices anywhere in the hospital. And what made that possible? 5G. The hospital rebuilt their entire system with 5G technology at its core. That infrastructure now supports thousands of phones and tablets so practitioners can communicate with patients on a whole new level. Boston Children's also made sure the system could flex and scale to handle medical advancements like robotic surgery and virtual reality for training and research. This was worlds away from how they had previously operated. This innovative work hasn't gone unnoticed, first by patients, but also by their peers. Boston Children's was a first-place winner in the industry category at last year's Unconventional Awards from T-Mobile for Business, an event that celebrates customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of innovation. If the Boston Children's story rings a bell with you, if your team has asked the same questions about building a better business solution, I encourage you to enter this year's awards. It's a great way to be recognized for smart, disruptive thinking in front of some of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. I'll save you a seat. We're back with more from Vagabond. It's just incredible that so early on that, you know, that so early on you had a vision. Yeah. And that you were so confident. Yeah. 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 I mean, it seems like you're still sort of have that same philosophy mm-hmm. with the new album. You did pretty much everything completely on your own, mm-hmm. played almost every single instrument, produced mm-hmm. every song. Mm-hmm. Now it seems like that was very intentional. Yeah. I would say everything that I do is intentional. Mm-hmm. Maybe even sometimes to a fault. Like I, I just want to be really good and I want to be respected <laughs> and 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 I and I have this like urge to earn it you know what I mean mm-hmm. like like I don't want to just like put my name on something I want to like have it be like real I want to know that I could produce a record but at the end of the day like I'm really glad that I did that I'm really glad that I know how to do that and that whatever whatever this album means now or later, like, I know that it's important for, like, my trajectory as an, as a musician. Would you ever consider working with a producer or do you, do you like, do you yeah. like being your own producer and kind no, of the pressure that comes with that also? I mean, I, I like it, but I don't know if I would do this shit again. <laughs> like, I, I, I think that, you know, this last self-titled record is my second album. And it's not just like my second album on a label. It's not just like my second album as Vagabond. It's my second album, period. Like, it's the second body of work I've made. And so it's still really early on for me. And I still mm-hmm. wanted to be like, like, to know what I was doing, even if I have access to hire anybody. Like, I want to have that knowledge. And then I can kind of like open it up a little bit. So now I feel like I'm in a stage where I can like go as far as like co-producing. How do you think about the second one? I mean, it's, it's, it's like your newest record, but it's mm-hmm. been, it's been a couple of years and yeah. you're writing the new one now. So it kind of yeah. is behind you in a way. Yeah. It's a little bit Even behind People are discovering you. it still. Right. You know? like, but. Yeah. I think I'm like, I honestly, I go in and out. If I'm like going to be all the way honest, sometimes I'm like, 
I used to, when it first came out, I was like, I killed that shit. That was so good. (laughs) (laughs) And now I'm kind of like, did I? (laughs) Like, I don't know. It's really good. Thank you. It is really good. I just, I, I think it's weird. I think I'm still kind of coming to terms with doing something that was that different from, from what I was doing before. And I'm not sure if it's, I think it's part of a larger story and it's kind of like dot, dot, dot. Like it's part of a larger thing, which will be my career. (laughs) Um, But like on its own, so I'm pretty confused about it, you know. Do do you feel like you want to go back to the the kind of more the sounds of the first one or Um, or continue sort of, is there going to be like a, when the third one comes, it will be like, oh wow, there is this sort of progression happening. Honestly, I feel like the third one is where I need to like pick a lane essentially, which may not be true, but I'm just going to be real. Like this is what's going on in my head about like, okay, I made an indie rock record and then I made a record that's not that. And now I don't really know. I'm now trying not to think about what kind of a record I'm making. I'm just, I just want to write songs and I just want to like put those songs on an album. So I'm just kind of like, I'm a little confused. Do you think that's more for you so you can classify yourself? No, it's fully because like outside sources are in my head. Are <laughs> like, people like, yeah. a, like a, your not like, label? Or no. when people write about your music. Yeah, it's, sort it's of... like, it's like, I don't really, I don't really read my press unless it's like the New Yorker. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but like I, I, um, <laughs> I what a flex. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so confused, but the New Yorker has approved. <laughs> um, but I I think that I get pretty confused once it goes out there and it's like seen in a certain way. And I'm like, what? Wait. I was looking at the comments on YouTube mm-hmm. for the Water Me Down video. Oh, Lord. Are they bad? They're the so great. great. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's like song. overwhelmingly positive. <laughs> okay, good. You should read them if you're oh, ever I'm feeling so down. I'm so scared. I can't. <laughs> We'll print the select, yeah, right. <laughs> some yeah, select right. few out. For I didn't you. see exactly. anything negative. Exactly. I was like, oh, cool. yes, it was so encouraging. Because it goes down in the YouTube comments. People are vicious. <laughs> but I, it's the only, I will say the times where I feel the most sure of what I've made is when I'm performing. Because mm-hmm. that is the only time that I'm interacting with people yeah. who are, um, they don't even have to say anything to me, but just energetically, they're, letting me know we're in this together and I don't feel like I just have like press and like numbers in my inbox and like you know like but when I'm sitting at home writing like that's my thread to what is going on with my record so it's like it's it's very different when I'm on tour um and I'm like going to I'm like going to places and seeing people and being like holy crap like what and that's when it feels like, okay, we're we're all right, <laughs> you yeah. know. What does it feel like to when you're performing live to look down and have people just like looking at you with love in their eyes? Uh, I don't know. It' pretty embarrassing. I have this thing where if I open my eyes for too long while performing, I will like sing a bad note, like <laughs> like it gets too real, <laughs> like it gets so like so I have to like look. When my eyes are open, I have to look right past everybody. So, 
you know, I don't I don't spend much time at the merch table anymore, but that's really where I got to talk to people. And that's where I got to like hang out with people in a way that was like, you know, we're on the same level. Because I think, I don't know. I don't know if I'm supposed to be into the whole like, I'm more elevated than you think, but it kind of freaks me out <laughs> a little bit. So my favorite line on the last album from Every Woman mm. is all the women I meet are tired. Mm. Where did that come from? Um it's l- like loosely referencing a poem um, by Nayira Wahid. And um, it's in this book called Nejma that I really enjoyed. And it it's just a it's just a a like a line that I think like unites a lot of people. <laughs> it's it's one that a lot of people can understand. So mm-hmm. do you want to play a little bit of yeah, that? Yeah, let's do it. We'll be back with more from Vagabond after the break. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, attempt to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hello, hello, Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History. If you've watched a professional tennis match recently, you'll know that fans had this amazing new tool at their disposal. It was created by the consulting company Infosys and the Association of Tennis Professionals. It's an immersive 3D viewing experience for tennis fans, which allows them to watch matches from new angles, get real-time statistics, and better understand the inner workings of the game and its athletes. Basically, a completely new, data-driven way to appreciate a tennis match. It's been a huge hit, and I'm proud to say that the Infosys Tennis Platform earned first place in the customer experience category at the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business, an event held at Mobile World Congress in Las Vegas that celebrates customers who've boldly innovated for the sake of meaningful change. And I think it's important to point out that innovation like this doesn't just require a great idea and exploit some great underlying technology. It takes courage. Because tennis is a game with a long history and some pretty powerful traditions. I mean, you can only wear white at Wimbledon. Still, it's the 21st century. And here was an idea that said we can dramatically change the way a fan watches a match. We can feed them data. We can allow them to see things they could never see before with the naked eye, or even conventional camera angles. If you want to turn a world upside down, you have to have a pretty strong backbone. That's a lot of what the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards are all about. Finding people and companies who show that kind of boldness. I encourage you to enter. It's a fantastic event, 
and a great way to be recognized for your brave, outside-the-box thinking in front of the industry's most influential leaders. And an even better way to say, I told you so. You can enter by July 31st at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer helped shape the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed The Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, would spur each other on to tap into something bigger, realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Bacharach as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash, alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of Outlaw Country Music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. We're back with the rest of our interview with Vagabond. What part of your music are you enjoying the most so far? Is it the, the songwriting, between the songwriting, the recording, the performing? Mm. Right now I'm enjoying, I think performing is number one. Okay. And then um, recording has become number two. Songwriting is just kicking my ass lately but if you asked me like last year i would have said i enjoy songwriting but that's i'm i'm writing now so i'm that's like where i'm like emotionally like getting a beating all the time so (laughs) is it hard because you're running out of things to talk about or you can't find ways to express things no i i it's hard because more people are watching so the pressure's on yeah and I'm trying, and I'm like, I had this thought. I was like, what if I just like got a job somewhere and I didn't think about music all the time? <laughs> what are you gonna go for? I don't know. <laughs> but I was like, what if I just like, what if I just like was a coder, like, and and then this is just Plan B. It's like, but it's almost like self protect. It's like I want to go back to the time, and and again, this is so. I feel like I'm in therapy right now. This is not this is not a real thing. This is me freaking out. Like this is me like writing an album and freaking out. Like that's when we're talking. But it's I want to like not think about music 24/7 to a point where it's like insane, you, you know? Need a break. Yeah, like maybe I'll go volunteer somewhere and like do that for like 4 days a week so that something else is occupying my time besides me and my music. You just don't want you don't want music to feel like work. Yeah, I don't want it to feel like it's the only thing that I know how to do and it's the only place that I hold my like my all my eggs, you right, know, I want right. to like your worth. Yeah, your, yeah. Right. That that seems a little dangerous. And yeah. so I want to like I want to yeah, I think I'm just going to volunteer somewhere. Like Yeah, like play with kittens. Yeah, like like yeah, like play like right now there are so many things that I could do with my time instead of sitting there and being like, Ooh. 
I know the feeling. You know? Yeah. I think we all feel that way. It doesn't matter what you're doing. So don't stop making me feel that That will exist no matter what you're doing. (laughs) No, I don't plan to. Um, What do you you feel naturally drawn to like writing about? Mostly, mostly it's sad. Hmm. And, And I think that's because of how I've like started writing songs and like you know a lot of people write from that space a lot of people but like I can't write a song about I haven't been able to write a song about being happy or like Mm. so happy I had to write a song like it's usually like so mad or so sad that I have to write a song um and that's just kind of like what my first songs are about is like all like grappling all this stuff that was confusing so I I think that that's like currently and up until now has been where that where I draw the most like emotion from I think songs about hardship suffering heartbreak might be more interesting than happy songs mm, hot take yeah <laughs> no I mean I I'm biased but yeah, I like both you know <laughs> but I mean, I'm, always, I'm always drawn to like super sad songs yeah I mean me too yeah I I have I have been in the past, like those are the songs that I I like, and it's weird because I also listen to a lot of pop music that I'm that is not like devastating, you know. Um, but I think because I've just like oh like I had a very sad time <laughs> like when I was a teenager that that's you know when we're talking about like listening to and pop punk and yeah exactly and emo and like all that stuff like yeah. that's it, it's not so much that I related to the content of their lyrics but it was like the emotion yeah. um so like even if it's a happy song like how it emotes has to kind of be like forceful and In angry yeah like <laughs> you know <laughs> so is there anybody that you consider to be just a musical genius mm. who you're just completely in awe of? Well, it changes all the time, obviously, but right now I'm pretty obsessed with Roy Orbison. Yeah. Like, look. What is it about him? <laughs> I mean, just the the drama, the like, the it's grand and it's like really incredible vocalist and the songs are great and it's just kind of this this like type of singing that makes me like I'm just super um interested and impressed and like I want to know everything about him, <laughs> him these days. I heard a story about him that when he sang he barely opened his mouth. That see that's classic crooner. I love it. I love it. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I, I don't I don't get what people talk about Elvis. I'm like Roy Orbison's yeah, like, Roy, such a Roy beautiful Orbison unique is, voice. Oh my God. And I, I like it so I've been playing um, that song, Crying. Oh, like, cry. Can oh, you do that? Great. So good. <laughs> I wish. I oh, Let me not what? embarrass myself <laughs> on here. It's so, oh. it's so good. That's a dramatic song. That's what I'm See, saying. See, I'm saying the sad drama. Like, that's I'm, what makes a good song. I'm here yeah. for it. And that's the thing. It's like, it's sad, but it still makes you feel good. Yeah. Is there a song that you're trying to write now that you just can't articulate yet? Um, like a feeling you're trying to get at or an experience you're trying to work through? Yeah, I mean, there are like a lot, there are a lot of them, but that's usually that I, I, writing songs have gotten harder for me. I, I, it's, I'm definitely thinking more 
one thing I'm obsessed with right now is like my songs sounding, my songs reading well without the music because I've been so, I've been so like obsessed with production and um, arrangement and those things are super important. But like some of my favorite, like, like mostly folk music, but like are all they just read so beautifully mm-hmm. when you just read the lyrics. And I've, What's an example of, of a song you're thinking of? I mean, everything on Joni Mitchell's Blue. Um, like, Joanna Newsom's lyric. Have you ever read that, like, without music? They're kind of dense, right? It's dense as fuck. Yeah. It is. And, and it's masterful, actually, when you read it and you see all the... I mean, I don't know if she was like an English person, but the, it's just, it, it kind of just reads like a, like a book and it's impressive. And English being my second language, I just have never really like felt precious about saying something in the most poetic way. Like, and I'm trying to, I, I'm trying to just like see what that world is about. Mm. See, see, if, and Julie Byrne, do y'all know Julie Byrne? Um, she's amazing. She had a record called Not Even Happiness. And there's a song she had um, that she has on there called I Live Now as a Singer. And it's just like, it's just poetry, but it also is an incredible song. So that's been kind of what I've been going through with my songwriting. I was wondering if before we got, I know you were going to do like a Joanna Newsom song. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm, you switched it up, right? I oh, think I switched it up. It up. Yeah. I, yeah. I've been kind of obsessing over this song called Reason to Believe by Karen Dalton. Yeah, Reason. Yeah. I think it goes, I think it's a Tim Harden song. It is. Right? Or, yeah, I yeah, love that. It yeah, it is. That's a great it's so good. Um, and uh, Courtney Barnett and I just recorded a cover of it like two days ago. And so it's like in my head. So. Yeah. Oh, amazing. I haven't played the Journey somewhere in a while. So should we play that do you, now? Do you game to play it? Yeah. Oh, sweet. That was awesome. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Appreciate thank, it. thank you. Thank you so much for coming by. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was really fun. Thanks to Vagabond for sitting down with me and Leah and playing some music for us. She was all set to head out on the headlining tour across the country, but that's been postponed for the time being. In the meantime, you can hear all of our favorite Vagabond songs by heading to brokenrecordpodcast.com. Broken Record is produced with help from Jason Gambrell, Mila Bell, Leah Rose, Matt Laboza, and Martin Gonzalez for Pushkin Industries. Our theme music's by Kenny Beats. I'm Justin Richmond. Thanks for listening. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora, to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. The tradition of breaking tradition continues. 
with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.